And so let's go to Exodus chapter 20 or 12 and verse 21. And the Bible says, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of this house until the morning. Somebody say, stay in the house. It's not the thrust of what we're preaching today, but if you will stay behind the blood, safety is going to be found for you and for your family. When you walk back out a doorway that you walk through where the blood was applied, uh, the Lord was not willing to guarantee safety. And he said, the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians... And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and upon the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. Can I tell you, I'm so thankful for the blood that can be applied through the baptism in Jesus' name, through repentance, through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We can have uh, the precious blood of Jesus Christ applied to our lives. And when, when the devourer comes, when the destroyer comes he cannot come past the blood and ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever and it shall come to pass when ye shall be come into the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised that ye shall keep this service and it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you what mean ye by this service that ye shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed their heads and worshiped and I want to focus on verse 28 today and the children of Israel went away And did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. I'm going to preach for the next few moments on how to forfeit your blessing. How to forfeit your blessing. Would you set your Bible to the side and one more time, would you lift your voice in this place with your hands and ask God to move in this house. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your kindness and your love. Uh, God, I ask you to have your way in this house today. Uh, Let every spirit of distraction, let every spirit of discouragement, let every spirit of doubt be brought down right now. I pray that there would be faith in the house that is released in the name of Jesus, uh, in Jesus' precious name. I want to back up and provide a little bit more context on what we just read. This was a celebration to the Jews known as the Passover. And God gave Moses and Aaron some very specific instructions. In fact, the portion of Scripture that we just read was the recounting from Moses to the elders of the children of Israel. But in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 3, God begins to give Moses clear instruction and he tells him, look, it's the tenth day of the month. Everyone is going to take a lamb according to the house of their fathers. They'll, they'll take a lamb for a house. And If that house is too little for the lamb, then they'll join forces with their neighbor according to the number of souls. And according to every man is eating, they'll make a count 
before the Lamb. And it was important that you would have enough people, and you'll see why here in a little bit. But Jesus, or, or God, spoke to Moses and told them the Lamb should be without blemish. It should be a male of the first year. You should take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you'll take it on the 10th day, but then you're going to shut it up for four days on the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel will kill this lamb that they have kept shut up for the last four days. It was a lamb that was to be spotless. It was a lamb that was to be pure. It was a lamb that was to be without blemish. And so on the 10th, they would pull it out of the herd. And on the 14th, they would examine it again. And then together, the entire congregation would kill this lamb as a sacrifice for their house. And they would take the blood from the lamb and they would strike it on the two side posts of the upper door and the upper posts of the door of their house, the house that they planned to eat the lamb in. And with that, everybody would cross over the threshold of that house and step behind a door that is covered by the blood and they would eat the lamb in that house. Not only would they eat the lamb, there were very specific instructions given on how to eat the lamb. The lamb was to be roast with fire. It didn't matter if you like smoked lamb. It didn't matter if you like boiled lamb. It didn't matter if you like tartar lamb. If you wanted to eat it like raw and cut up with some peppers or anything like that. No, the lamb was to be roast with fire and with unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Don't eat it raw. Don't eat it boiled with water at all, but roast with fire his head and his legs and the pertinence thereof. And here's why you had to make sure you had enough people because nothing was to remain until the morning. The lamb was to be entirely consumed by the people that were in the house. And if there were any leftovers, you didn't tuck them in the refrigerator like you do that Thanksgiving turkey or that Thanksgiving ham for those sandwiches the next day with mashed potatoes and gravy. But you were to burn the entire lamb with fire. That lamb was to be completely consumed. And he said this, Thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded and shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. This was the final thing that God was doing in his judgment of the children of Israel as he was or of Egypt as he was delivering the children of Israel out of 400 years of bondage in the land of wickedness of Egypt uh, 10 nine plagues had already happened and this 10th plague was about to be poured out on the land uh, and God began to give his children specific instructions for how to avoid the 10th plague the 10th plague was a death angel that was going to pass through the land and the death angel was going to make a search throughout the land and the firstborn of every house was going to be killed. It did not matter if you were the king in the palace, if your name was Pharaoh or if you were the lowliest slave in the land of Egypt. The death angel was going to come through the land and when that death angel walked through the land he was looking for one thing and one thing only. As he came 
came to the door of every house in the land, uh, the angel was looking for blood. Uh, he was investigating, well, is there blood uh, applied to the doorpost of the house? God gave very specific instructions uh, on where the blood was to come from, where the blood was to be applied, how the blood was to be applied, uh, how the sacrifice to, was to be offered, and how the sacrifice to, was to be eaten. Uh, but you better believe that night, as the cry begins to go up from the land of Egypt, uh, from the palace of Pharaoh down to the home of the low, most lowly Egyptian, a cry begins to go out. Uh, you see, it does not matter how strict the instruction were. It does not matter how intense uh, obedience was required. Uh, when the obedience was there, uh, you're going to be thankful on the back end uh, because the blessing is going to follow as well. Uh, the warning went forth, the word went forth, uh, and all that was required of the children of Israel was not understanding. Uh, it was not total knowledge, uh, but it was obedience uh, and there was a blessing uh, on the backside of their obedience and they were spared from the angel of death obedience in verse 26 created a teaching opportunity with their children he spoke of the day where the kids would begin to see mom and dad do something a little bit curious. Instead of taking a lamb down to the temple to offer it for sacrifice, or instead of slaughtering it in the gates of the city now, right in front of their house, in the door that they live in, uh, there is going to be a basin that is brought, and they're going to watch as mom and dad uh, prepare this specific meal in a specific way. Uh, can I tell a parent in this house today, that obedience to the word of God uh, both written and preached is going to stir some questions in the minds and in the hearts of your children but you don't have to run from questions uh, you can run two questions. Uh, you can run to them and begin to explain to them uh, why God spoke this and why we practice what's written in the Word of God and why we live the way we live and why we pray the way we pray and why we worship the way we worship and why uh, we don't go here and why we do go there and why we give to the church and why we work for the kingdom. You can explain all of that uh, on the basins of obedience roughly 150 times this year the word of God is going to be preached over this pulpit Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 declares this that the word of God is quick it is alive. It, it does not mean just speedy, although I've seen the Word of God do some speedy works in a life here and there, but this Word is alive. Uh, these are not dead pages between a dead animal. Uh, these are living pages. These are the words and the breath of life. Uh, this is the bread of life come down from heaven given for us to read, to consume. But this Word is quick and it's powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the divine 
dividing asunder of soul and of spirit and of the joints and the marrow. And this word uh, will discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Uh, I've simply come to declare to somebody today the word of God uh, is still powerful uh, and it is never going to return to God void. Uh, The word of God preached uh, can convert the soul. Uh, The word of God preached even in 2023 uh, has the power uh, to save a sin-stained soul. Uh, The word of God preached uh, can get down into the thoughts uh, and the intents of the heart. Uh, No matter the most vile sinner, uh, no matter the most wealthy, uh, well-to-do family, uh, it's the same word of God uh, that's going to penetrate down into a heart uh, and begin to stir and begin to adjust. Uh, It's going to convert the soul. I'm thankful that the word of God is powerful uh, and it's so great that it's not relegated uh, to the skill level of the one preaching it. Uh, I'm so thankful uh, for men of God that have great and blessed oratory skill. uh, But today I want you to know uh, it has nothing to do with how well I preach it, uh, though there is something to do with anointing that steps into it. uh, And I'm going to strive to be the best relayer of the word of God that I can. uh, But the word... uh, is more powerful uh, than my skill. Uh, The word is far greater. uh, So it doesn't matter if you like my style uh, or you like Bishop's style uh, or you like some visiting minister's style. Uh, What matters uh, is that the word crosses out over the pulpit uh, and it begins to find its way down into the pews. uh, And all you have to do uh, is lift hands uh, and lift heart uh, and let a heart receive the word of God uh, in this house today. The word ingested and digested will bless you. The word gotten down inside of your heart will bless you. It will change your life. It will save your soul. Is there anybody today that can testify to the power of the Word of God? Uh, That Word, uh, when it's planted down inside, uh, when it's germinated in the heart of a life that is ready uh, and obedient, that Word's going to grow. And God's Word is never going to return to Him void, uh, but it is always going to bring a blessing. Uh, It's always going to bring a prospering. Uh, It's always going to bring a harvest, the Word, uh, into a heart and into a mind. In scripture, or in practice, there are two words perhaps it might be useful for us to know. There is logos, which is the written word, or scripture itself. John 1 and 1 declares that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We find out that that word was made flesh when Jesus came and walked on this earth. This is Scripture, it is constant, it is unchanging. And then there is rhema, or God's spoken word to us. Rhema will always align with Scripture, and often it flows from Scripture. It is the Spirit speaking both in this moment and the Spirit speaking to you as you pursue Him, as you talk to Him in your life, in your devotional life. 
The living word ingested and digested will begin to speak directly to your situation. And these two will work together. That's why uh, as the word of God is preached on a Sunday or on a Wednesday, uh, all of the sudden the rhema word of God will flow to you. uh, And there will be something that deposits inside of your heart. God will speak to you uh, individually in a moment. It's just important that you get the word uh, in your ears so that it can get down into your heart. We are going somewhere, I promise. Everybody doing all right? We're actually almost done. Amazing, right? The written word of God. Scripture. You need to know it. 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. Scripture itself warns us not to be tossed about with every wind of doctrine. Why does that warning come? Because men can, have, and will continue to twist Scripture to meet their ends. That's why it's so critical that you know it. See, you're not obligated to follow me the moment that I step outside of the bounds of Scripture. But if you don't know Scripture for yourself, uh, then I could stand up here and say almost anything. Uh, and because there's, there's not an understanding and there's an ignorance of the Word of God, uh, you're just going to agree with it. You'll take it in. Uh, but if you know the Word of God yourself uh, and you understand it yourself, then when temptation comes uh, or when trial comes uh, or when false doctrine comes into your world, uh, you can recognize it. You can speak against it. Rhema, that spoken word of God. You need to know his voice. It's not a verse that I gave them, but in John chapter 10 and verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. God did not finish speaking at the close of the scriptural canon. His word still goes out throughout the earth. Now, no more scripture is being written, but the voice of God is still speaking in the day that we live in. And God will speak to those who are hungry, who are looking, who are desiring him to begin to move in their life. And so roughly 150 times this year, Logos and Rhema will come across this pulpit. There will be scripture which inspires us. Uh, It builds faith in us. It grounds us onto something that is concrete. Uh, Prophetic words of God will come from this pulpit, will come from the pews. I'm thankful to be a church where the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, uh, where there will be moments of time where God gives a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, uh, where tongues and interpretation interpretation will come, where the word of prophecy will flow, and God will speak to his people, both through the written word and through himself, through his spirit flowing into our hearts and into our minds. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 
and this avalanche of God's word that will flow to you both over this pulpit and in your own life, it will bless you. It will lift you up. It will sustain you. It will keep you when you're weary. It'll dry your tears when you're crying. It'll pick you up when you're down. It'll bring you down when you're unnecessarily high. It will keep you on a direct path. It'll keep you from going too far to the left, too far to the right. It will bless you and your family. If If you don't forfeit your blessing. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, the writer says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The real tragedy of the situation is that if you came for an entire year and you heard the word of God preached 150 times, you could still leave out the back door the very same that you came. You could leave with the same addictions and hang-ups and trials and struggles. You can still leave with the same pride-filled heart. You can still leave with the same broken sense of identity and self-worth. Why? Because that word has to be grasped by your heart. That word has to be grabbed by you. It's not enough just for you to hear the word, but you've got to grab it and you've got to mix it with faith down inside your heart. It's not enough for you to come every Sunday and let me preach the word of God to you for 30 minutes. No, that's not going to do it, my friend. That word has to be grabbed. It has to be acted on and it has to be mixed with your faith that powerful word of God for all of its ability for all of its anointing for all of its blessing it will do nothing for the life that refuses to act upon the word that God has spoken It does not matter how many sermons you hear or how many prophetic words you receive or how many times God speaks to you in your prayer meeting. If you do not mix it with faith, if you do not believe it as it comes forth, and let me just keep this piece in there as well. Faith is more than just mental assent. James tells us in James chapter 20 or 2 and verse 20, faith without works is dead. So what's that mean for us? It means that unless I grab a hold of the word of God in faith and I believe the word that God spoke and then my faith activates obedience in my flesh, then it's doing me nothing. There's a blessing in the word of God. But you can forfeit your blessing. Thank you. There's a blessing in the Word of God, but you can miss out on it. And I don't believe God wants anyone in this house to miss out on what He wants to do in this place today. I believe that God wants to touch every heart, I believe that God wants to touch every mind. I believe that God wants every person to go home whole in this place. 
So here's how you forfeit your blessing. Don't do what is preached. You can shout and dance along with the preaching all you want. But unless you go home on Monday and do, your shouting was in vain. You can sit there like a bump on a pickle all you want and think great thoughts and and receive the word. But unless you begin to mix it with faith and respond in faith, there's a blessing you're missing out on. See, the second way for us to forfeit our blessing is to begin to rationalize why it does not apply to us. Human beings are incredible in our ability to explain away anything that we want to. We can allow anything for ourselves. We have an amazing ability to rationalize or reason why it's not wrong for me, but it's wrong for everybody else. That's why Scripture gets to be the final authority. I can prove this to you. Are you ready? We're going to prove it right now. Psalm 47 and 1. Throw that up on the screen. Let's read it together. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. That's not rhema. That's logos. There's no wiggle room. Does it not say all ye people? Is there anybody in the house that is not a people? Everybody here is a people, right? So how come we allow ourselves to talk ourselves out of obedience to the, this is just one example, uh, obedience to the word of God, uh, and we say things like, well, it's not my personality. Honey, God doesn't care about your personality if he wrote it in scripture. If it's in the word of God, uh, he expects obedience to it. So why don't we stand to our feet right now, and why don't we simply do what Scripture tells us that we can do. We can clap our hands, all ye people, and shout unto God. go a little bit further improving it in Psalm 149 in verse 1 it says praise ye the Lord that should be enough it's the word of God it's written forever the living word of God and he never changes it's settled it's done it's over he simply said praise ye the Lord sing unto the Lord a new song sometimes the worship team likes to sing a new song maybe you know the words maybe you don't but it's a direct command from God sing a new song so we'll try something new I'm sorry if you think we should sing 25 year old songs all the time No, we should sing a few old ones, but there's a new song unto the Lord because my God's still doing new things. He's still doing new things. 
Praise him in the congregation of saints. That's all of us together. Don't just be the one that praises him in a private prayer meeting. You should dance and shout and worship in your home. Oh, yes, you should. Parents, your children ought to see you dancing. Your children deserve to see you speaking in tongues in your home. Your children ought to see you lose your mind in worship in your living room. But you're also to do it in the congregation of the saints. You're also to come together with others of like precious faith and every once in a while just begin to praise the Lord with the whole body. Just begin to lift up. He goes on in verse 2 and says this, Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let them... Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. See how easy it is even for godly, sanctified, spirit-filled apostolics to rationalize away scripture and explain why it doesn't apply to us? Scripture says, praise his name in the the dance. You can feel it getting tight in here. If there's two things people don't like to do, it's shout and dance. Because when the scripture says, oh, clap your hands, we're all like, but when scripture says shout, we're all like, Is there anybody today uh, that wants to obey the word of God? Why? There's a blessing attached to your obedience to the word of God. Uh, There's a direct blessing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I can't explain it. I cannot tell you how or why you shouting at the top of your lungs uh, is going to do anything about your situation. Uh, I cannot tell you how or why you dancing before the Lord with all your might uh, is going to change anything uh, in your home or in your family other than to simply say uh, there's always a blessing attached uh, with obedience to the word uh, of God. And so let's take a moment right now and just obey scripture in this place. Why don't you grab somebody from the congregation and shout unto God with the voice of triumph and begin to praise the Lord in the dance. Come on, saint of God. Come on, saint of God. Why don't you praise him in the dance? Why don't you praise him in the dance? Why don't you praise him in the shout? Why don't you praise him in the dance? It has nothing. It has nothing to do with my emotions. But I will tell you this, there will come times where I'm overcome with emotion because this flesh does not know how to respond to the touch of a sovereign God. And so in those moments, I'll dance, I'll shout, I'll roll on the floor, I'll do something. Why? Because my creator is in the room. 
See, we'll rationalize away worship. We'll rationalize away speaking in tongues. And look, I can't tell you, I don't even know what you're saying, but Scripture clearly demonstrates and says, he that prayeth in tongues edifieth himself in 1 Corinthians. In James, it declares that, or in Jude, you're building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You ought to have some prayer meetings when you don't know what to say or where to go. You just begin to speak in other tongues uh, and believe that with groanings uh, that cannot be uttered uh, the spirit is going to make intercession for us but we'll rationalize it away as kooky or we'll rationalize it away as it's for somebody else or I got filled with the Holy Ghost when when, when, when I, I spoke in tongues the first time I got filled with the no my friend uh, it's a blessing uh, when you'll be obedient to the word of God Here's another one, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. How can we rationalize missing church for any excuse under the sun? Oh, we were doing good up until right there. What happened? I get a sniffle. I call out. Any opportunity comes up, I call out. I'm going, look, I don't begrudge anybody a vacation, but can you please do me something? Would you please continue your devotions on vacation? And would you find somewhere to go to church on vacation so that you don't take three steps back spiritually every time you leave? And every time the doors of the house are open, I'm going to be there with my family. I'm going to march in with the word of God under my arm and a heart that's open and ready. See, we can rationalize away. Be careful. When the preached word of God is going forth and reason begins to speak in your mind, reason will always attack faith. And what you need is not to reason out how somehow dancing and shouting is going to solve it. But what you need is to mix it with a little bit of faith and say, I may not have total understanding of the scripture, but scripture clearly spoke it. And the word came over the pulpit. And so I'm going to do it. I'm going to respond to the word of God. See, you don't need a word from God. When you aren't obeying the word from God. You want a word? Do what the word says. I'll go another step. You've heard me say this a couple of times. You get individual words from God when you respond properly to the corporate word of God. You got a situation you need God to work on? Don't sit in church like a bump on a log. Respond to what God's doing in the body. And you will find... More often than not, it's while I'm praying with or for somebody else uh, that the rhema word of God will be deposited into my mind. Uh, It's while I'm pouring out virtue uh, for my sister and I'm praying for her uh, and all of a sudden God deals with what's on the inside of me. There is a word for your life that is locked up waiting for you just to do. There's a word for this church, and there has been much word over this church. But could it be that there's a word for this church that is locked up just waiting for all of us to do?
Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9 says this, But those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. See, there's a blessing that comes with obedience to the Word of God. There's a withholding of blessing when obedience to the Word of God is not spoken. Now, I know what some are thinking already in this place. I'm not saying that my preaching is on the same level as Scripture. That's not what I'm saying. That's why you need to know Scripture. That's why you need to rightly divide it for yourself. You need to make sure that what I'm saying aligns with Scripture. When a prophetic word goes forth in this house, we don't receive it just uh, willy-nilly, and we take everything that comes in. No, we let two or three that are standing by judge it and make sure that it's right and it aligns with the Word of God. See, Scripture is our final authority, and it's our final say. But watch this. We have this pattern. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 14, and I close with this portion of Scripture. It was wild. Nobody knew what they were saying other than a few random people in the crowd began to recognize their own language. Many thought they were drunk when the Holy Ghost began to move. And if this is your first time in a Pentecostal church, you might be thinking, man, these people are nuts. But there's cake after service, and so I'm going to stick it out. But Peter, Peter stands up with the eleven and he lifts up his voice and he said unto them, You men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Again, I tell you in this place, it is not enough for you just to come and hear preaching. You must respond to preaching. You must respond to the voice of God. You must respond to the Word of God as it begins to move in your life. And so Peter preaches the first sermon on the first day of the church. The church has just been born. And the Bible says this in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Now when they heard this, look, I'm happy that you heard it. But I pray that it goes a step beyond you hearing it. I pray that it gets down inside of your heart. Uh, and I've been praying and asking God to stir some things inside of hearts. You might have been here for 10 years. You might have been here for 10 minutes. Uh, but the Word of God is quick and it's powerful and it can adjust hearts. Uh, it doesn't matter how long you've been living with God uh, and walking with Him. There's still some things inside of us uh, that we need to bring into full alignment with the Word of God and make sure that we're doing what His Word proclaims they heard it and they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do the pattern has always been hear the word of God respond do and so Peter says this I'm so glad you asked repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let me just pause for a moment to declare to anybody in this house, uh, if the Word of God begins to stir a heart, if there's something inside of you uh, that's curious, that you feel a drawing from the Lord, God wants to fill you with His Spirit today. But you're not going to get it sitting in the back. You're not going to get it sitting in the front. Uh, you're going to get it when you follow instructions in the next few moments. Uh, and 
as instruction is given, you are going to lift your hands uh, and begin to repent of your sins and God uh, will fill you with His Spirit in this moment. He says, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, and I'm out of words, I'm done. You don't have to worry. My sermon's not going any longer. But with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. And watch this. They that gladly received his word were baptized. My part's done. Now it's time for your part. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. 